right about him. I'm always right. It's like when I'm right, I'm right. And when I'm wrong, I could have been right. So I'm still right because I could have been wrong. That makes sense. Come on. All right, we're back. Seventh episode that we've done uh, in chronological order. But we're going to do something a little special. First, you know, I know we've been shouting out a lot of athletes over the past few weeks by jersey number. So there's a lot of great sevens. Mickey Mantle, John Elway, Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, there's plenty of choose from Luis Suarez uh, wearing seven uh, a time or two. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great ones to choose from. Jalen Brown currently, of course. Uh, Carmelo, you know. I thought you said great. I thought you said great, but okay. He's a great human being, sir. No. Uh, Pistol Pete, Pudge Rodriguez, Joe Maurer, you know, it's a great number, a lot of history. But uh, the day we are recording is January 26th, uh, one year to the date that we lost uh, Kobe Bean Bryant, uh, along with his daughter Gianna, the Altabelli family, among others. Uh, so we have decided it is episode eight, part one. Uh, so we're going to skip right over uh, the sevens and go right to eight uh, just for Bean. So. You know, it's a, a man we've shared uh, many a story about. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, he's definitely come up a lot in conversations between us. So uh, th- this one is uh, in his honor, of course. For sure. And, and, and all nine people who lost their lives that day. Like, it's, it's, it's really one of those people who I don't think most of us knew how, meant, how much he meant to us until he died. Like, I know I was one of those people. And I actually like Kobe later on in his career, but I was never like, like starry eyed over Kobe Bryant. And then when he died, I cried like a baby. Him, like thinking about him and his daughter and everybody on that flight, but mainly him and his daughter, honestly, for me, because I like we watched him become a man as we were trying to figure out how we were going to become men. And to go out that way, especially when he was the guy who was a consummate professional, the one who took care of his body, the one who who probably did everything right off the court when it came to being healthy. And he didn't live as long as people who we have heard many stories about just living reckless and burning a candle from both sides of the, from both ends of the, of the wick. And it's, it, it, it still is kind of unfathomable. It almost feels like it, it happened today, even though it was a year later. And it still feels like the entire world hasn't really mourned Kobe Bryant because we see him as often as we actually still do, um, whether it's be on social media, whether it be in commercials, whether it's two, NBA 2K, whether it's clips coming up on ESPN. It almost feels like he's getting the same amount of notoriety and publicity that he got when he was here, but he just can't speak on it himself. Yeah, I mean, so there's a, you know, because as a Celtics fan growing up, you're taught to hate everything about the Lakers, which very much included Kobe Bryant as the the star of the Lakers in my most formative years as a basketball fan. But as it went on longer and longer, I agree, you know, that, um, you know, it definitely was an adoration at the start for me, but there was always a level of respect that I had uh, for the level of competitor that he was. Um, I, I think thinking back on it, there's few people that ever truly loved being the villain and looked for that the way he did. You know, this was a man that was so determined to win at all costs that he would learn different languages just to talk trash to his opponent and get in their head even more. 
you know, like he took it to that level that no one would have the willingness to go to. Um, I, I believe who was it? Maybe Jay Williams talked about being, you know, seeing him in the gym and Kobe just was already there already in a deep sweat and Jay Williams left the gym and Kobe was still working out full game moves. And when he asked him about it after the games, Kobe's response was, I saw you come into the gym. I had to let you know that no matter how hard you worked, I was always going to outwork you. You know, those were the types of things that I always attributed to Kobe and few other athletes that would take it to that degree. Um, There's there's a couple, you know, I I remember where I was and what I was doing a year ago, um, you know, because I I remember even – you know, reaching out to you because I was so incredulous of everything going on. I was about to go see a movie and I was just sitting in my living room and I just like, it was like full paralysis. It felt like I was like, I can't move. And I was like, I can't go to, I can't go see this movie. I'm just going to eat the movie ticket. Like I, I need to try and process this. Um, it, it also hit very close to home because, uh, John Altabelli, who was another one of the parents on that helicopter flight, he was the manager um, for my local baseball team, the Cape Cod Baseball League. So he was someone that I had crossed paths with, seen many a time. Um, you know, so it was a weird, like, really both of them, like, from such different memories that I have, you know, to be connected in this, you know, truly tragic way. Um, the other memory that really sticks out to Kobe. Um, well, there's two more. One was getting to be there in the Boston Garden for his last game in Boston, where it was it was like the perfect send off that you can have for a rival. It was a full standing ovation. Uh, it, it was almost the way, and I think he even said this in his post game interview. It was the way that he wanted to go out in Boston, um, which was he got a standing ovation in pregame warmups. He got a standing ovation coming off the court. But every time he touched the ball, it was as loud as possible with people booing him, like old times, just for one last time. And he buried a three to win the game, like old times. You know, and, you know, the other one that really sticks out to me was, um, I can't remember if it, so it was my junior year in college at St. Joe's. And bear in mind, we had just had a couple months previous, the Pope come to visit campus. Yay. Where, where everyone had flocked up. But when word hit that Kobe Bryant was at Larry's cheesesteaks, <laughs> I think we moved faster that night to get to Larry's than we did to get to see the Pope. You know, like that was the type of sway that this man had. Um and you know, shout out to Larry's cheesesteaks uh at, at all times, you know, it's being that's a, because a, usually only Catholics care about the Pope, but the world cares about Kobe Bryant. So you know what I mean? It's it's it's, a, it's especially different. in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. It's. it's I mean, different. I remember. I remember a, a classmate of mine uh, stealing, or, or wait, well, after he left, going over and just taking the tray that he ate on his <laughs> can of purple Fanta. I remember it vividly, and he was just walking around with it, and he was like, "I got it, <laughs> yeah, I got it." Wow. Uh, is, you know, like Kobe insane. was one of those people that kind of transcended sport. You know, he was a true global icon, um, you know, not only through his upbringing, um, you know, growing up in Italy and kind of having that, you know, culture beyond uh, just growing up in America, but it was something that he always gave back to the game, I felt. 
um, which, you know, earned him a lot of respect in my book. You know, he was always one of the guys that was trying to grow the game in, in China or, or wherever else um, in, in different points of his career. Um, you know, I think it's so clear how much his game transcends uh, sport. You know, I, I've loved seeing Pau Gasol, how close and how supportive he's been uh, to Kobe's family. You know, it showed that beyond just being a teammate, you know, there, there was those relationships that he had that were far deeper than that, um, which I always thought was, you know, Kobe seemed like one of those guys that maybe he closed it off easily of he was such a fierce competitor that you could never really be close to him in a way. So it's been kind of nice to see that not be the case with more and more stories that come out. Um, you know, obviously there were many in his era that adored him, you know, Allen Iverson, who we've discussed, you know, that shows love for many, but you know, the, the, um, the outpouring of emotion, I still can't believe they made players play that day. Um, I still think that's one of the craziest things the NBA has ever done. Um, well, I don't think they made them play. I think the NBA is such a player. If everybody was like, we're not playing it, I'm like, okay, we get it. Kobe just died. Like, like I, I really do think they would have done that. Um, and But the, one of the things, as you said, about players having that type of support, I don't think that was always the case. I think that Kobe played for 20 years, and you probably could say for 10 to 12 of those years, he probably didn't have a handful of teammates who actually liked him as a person. I think Yeah, I don't think Smush Parker – liked him much yeah I think he changed who he was because he realized that he can't just burn everything down around him for for things to grow and I think that he had to he had to realize that you have to talk to people and meet people where they are as people for them to be better athletes and that's I think helped him later on in life when he started coaching his daughter's team because people are not gonna be able to jump like you people are not gonna be able to run like you people are not gonna be able to last for 20 years like you people are not gonna pull his their Achilles tendon down to take a shot when it's ruptured like you these are just these are you things. So what are you going to do to make people around you better so that you can actually get your final goal of winning? And I think that if pa- I, I really do, because Paul Gasol was my favorite player in the NBA, in, well, not in the NBA, one of my favorite players in the NBA until he went to the Lakers. And then I was like, I can't rock with this. But I think that if Paul Gasol was part of a 0304 Lakers team, I don't know if this would have been the same type of relationship we saw. Yeah, it's definitely interesting because, you know, there was definitely kind of right around the time they acquired Paul Gasol, that seems to be where those relationships mm-hmm. were, um, you know, and the other thing on top of that, and again, this is as his progression into maturation, you know, kind of as he became a true elder statesman of the game, you know, his support for the women's game was always equal, if not above everyone else, um, which to have. It was, it was above. It was above. Let's, let's not pretend yeah. like we didn't, like we weren't at women's games in college and we were the only ones there who wasn't playing basketball that day. Like the women's games does not get the respect that, that they, that they deserve. I don't know if it should be the same exact thing as the men. Like it's hard to really quantify that, but he really put it on his back to be like, no, we're, we're celebrating representing and helping out women's athletics. Yeah. Because, you know, I think that a lot of people, and, and this is not to discredit, other efforts from NBA players, you know, but it, it feels like sometimes, yeah, they'll do the, the promo for the WNBA, you know, in that commercial, you know, that we see time and time again, or they'll occasionally throw a tweet out, but you don't see them sitting courtside. You know, you yeah. don't see where you, know, you don't see them courtside at UConn. You don't see them courtside at other schools, Notre Dame, you know, where he, you know, and part of it, you know, was having his daughter, you know, I think having kids, truly changed him you know I think it's right around that time that Gigi was born that he became 
like it was right around that same time that he made that switch kind of that eight to 24, you know, switch that he made was kind of like, you can see a, a defined change in how he acted. Um, and, and obviously even later as he went on. Um, but, but I think that's something that he doesn't get nearly enough credit for. Um, I also think one of the saddest things of, on top of obviously just losing him in general um, is what he was doing in this second act of his life um, through storytelling. And, you know, like the man won an Oscar. Yeah, he like, has six trophies. He has six trophies. Yeah. So it's like, like you know, like th- that stuff doesn't like, you know, you can be great and make great content and tell great stories, but you still don't win an Oscar. Like he, he had something that was far more artistic. And I think it was something in his game that was part of why he was so great. Like, I think he, he was one of those guys that almost viewed uh, basketball and what he did as a bit of an art. You know, I think it was there with his footwork. It was like, everything was a little bit different in the way he viewed things. Um, But I think that was something that we kind of really missed out on, um, you know, and what he could have accomplished post-career. Uh, and I'm glad that, you know, posthumously a lot of it is still being carried on. Um, yeah, I don't know if he if he really saw things differently. Like, I don't know if I agree with that point because I think he saw them for what they were, but he went so hard at what he saw that he became great at it. Like, I don't think – like, Kobe Bryant doesn't have the greatest footwork in NBA history. Kobe Bryant doesn't have the best jump shot in NBA history. Kobe Bryant wasn't the best defender in NBA history. Kobe Bryant wasn't the best rebounder, the best teammate. There's probably nothing that you can say about Kobe Bryant where he was the best in NBA history. But – there's probably few people you can say was as good as him at all those things. And mm-hmm. and that's really where it was at. Like he didn't jump the highest. He wasn't the fastest. He wasn't the strongest. He had athletic gifts. He was genetically a different guy, but he wasn't a mutant. You know, like he, like his body made sense. We, like there were other six for six basketball players who did similar things that Kobe Bryant did, but they weren't Kobe Bryant. So I think it was his diligence, his motivation and, and his, his focus is what got him that. I don't think that, and this is just me guessing, I don't think that he saw the game in a way that others who can't see it, I think he saw the game in ways others refused to see it. So he was able to to achieve levels higher than other people. Like, And, and there's an there's a argument to be made that Kobe was never actually considered the best player in the NBA at no point in his career. Like, there's actually an argument to be said about that. But then when you go back and look at what he did, you can argue that he's a top five guard of all time. Not just shooting guard, but guard of all time. You can make that argument. So it's almost insane to see how differently we view somebody while they're doing something as opposed to when it's already done. And even with, like, the Oscar thing, like, he, I think one of the things about Kobe that we forget is that a, a lot of times Kobe did stuff and, and we didn't like it. Like we just didn't like it. Like most of his Adidas sneakers, we did not like it. When he was like the Muse Cage thing when he retired, was like, what is a Muse Cage? What are we talking about here, Kobe? Like it was, it was kind of K-O-B-E, the rap album. Like it was things that Kobe did that we were like, eh, we're going to skip this one over. But I think it was, that's part of what made him great because he wasn't afraid to try things and fail, but he was going to go all in with it. Like he wasn't going to just put out a single. He put out a whole album. Like, he was like, no, we put out an album. This is what we're going to do. And it's like, well, nobody really cares about the single yet. We're going to put this album out. So I think that he, he was, was all very in. all in with anything all he in. did. All Which, in. You and know, I, I think uh, that's, you know, like you said, he may not have ever been the best at any one thing. He may not have ever been the best player in the league at any one point. But he's one of those guys that you look at and you would always say, 
I, you know, if I'm in the trenches in the mm-hmm. game, I want that Kobe. guy because he's kill or be killed. Listen, I want Kobe eight days out of the week. Like I, I, I really feel that way. But then it's one of those things where he squeezed every bit of his life out in everything that he chose to focus on. Like, I don't think anybody could say that Kobe didn't reach his maximum potential in basketball, you know? And, but there's other players like, and not to like throw anybody under the bus, but you can't really look me in my face and tell me that Kobe Bryant was more gifted than Vince Carter. And we don't think about Vince Carter and and he played for 20 years as well. We don't think about Vince Carter the way we think about Kobe at all, at all. And that's, Wild to think because Vince Carter is one of the most beloved NBA players of our generation. Yeah. So I'm curious because I feel like this is something that was a thought that had never really occurred to me. But when he did pass, it was something that kind of came on my radar. Did you view him, you know, because I think in retrospect or in hindsight, he was one of the guys where you're like, that's going to be our generation's Bill Russell, where it's like not only was he an all-time great, but he was going to be the guy that continued to help bring the game up. He was going to be the guy at 80 sitting courtside, you know, cheering people on at the All-Star game. Like that, it was something that kind of registered. I was like, it's kind of crazy to me even still to think like we're never just going to see Kobe courtside at a game. I don't think that that was going to be him. Because when he retired, he made it very clear he was done with basketball. He didn't even go to any Lakers games until he got his jersey retired, if I'm not mistaken. Like, that's like that's like one of those things. He, he did not – because I think he gave so much of himself to the game that he had to focus on something else in life to be great at that. Like, Kobe – I think Kobe's focus is very similar to somebody with autism. It's like I'm laser focused on this thing that I love and care about. And then when I'm no longer focused on it, I can't be a part of it because I can't give it my all because I'm doing this other thing. So do you think he would have never come back to basketball? I don't think he would have came back to basketball if it wasn't for his daughter. Like, I think the only reason. Right. But that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like if down the line, you know, and she were to have achieved what was perceived to be her level of greatness, which the path she was on by all accounts was for that. Um you know, you don't think that maybe once he was done with that or and you know, maybe done chasing some of those creative endeavors, you don't think that maybe that would have come back to basketball and, and wanting to support the I next level? Or do you think he was just kind of done with it? He had burned, like you said, kind of from both ends of the wick, uh, think, you know, every ounce of love for basketball. I think he would have did it behind the scenes, not in front of the camera, because he was still kind of like what he was doing with players even yeah, already. Was, yeah, and we never really knew that until after he died, you know. So it's like one of these things where – he, I don't think you stop loving something the way that you do when you love it the way he loved basketball. But there's other ways to love it. You know, it's like a relationship. It's like, I, I believe that if you deeply love somebody, like it's an unconditional love, you may not be in love with them, but you will always have some point that you love them. And I think that was his relationship with basketball. He was not in love with it anymore, but he still loved it enough to make sure that it would progress, even if it's from behind the scenes. I also think that he realized as he got older that his presence can be very overbearing. And I feel like he probably would have came to his daughter's games or it probably would have been a point where she's old enough where he doesn't need to be there and put that ex- ex- that extended pressure on her. But he probably would be like live streaming, like watching it like he did the Eagles. And well, it wasn't live stream, but like it's like that kind of stuff where he's still super invested, but he's not on course not taking the, the attention away. And I think that that's where he started focusing a lot of his attention to, like not sucking the air out of the rooms. Like he, he wasn't doing 
of a lot of interviews. He wasn't commenting on a lot of players. He wasn't doing a lot of that stuff because I think that he realized just the gravity that his opinion, his facial movements, his, his thought process had on other people. And I think he chose to use it in a different way so that it can be appreciated because I think a lot of times when athletes have something to say that's not about athletics, but we don't know them for anything besides athletics, it doesn't get taken as seriously. So I think that he separated himself for that as well, where he's like, no, I got another vision I'm about to go do, and I'm going to do this this thing right here. And he did it in a, in a genius way because he, he like merged basketball with his new path in order for his new path to leave basketball behind with that short video. Well said. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's still weird to think about. Still doesn't feel real, even a year, year removed now. I'm sure you feel the same way. I, I still feel like anytime I see something about him online, there's still that element of shock. Like, like I'm, you know, not to the same degree as the first time, but something we definitely still feel and carry with us. So I think, I think one of the reasons why is because so many things happened in 2020 that, it's easy for us to focus on everything that happened as opposed to actually going through grief. Like I heard some people talking today who knew Kobe and it was like, I don't even think I've gone through the grief phase yet. And I think that's really because he's still technically present with his merch, with his video game characters, with his, his lessons and the books and stuff like that. But also because there was so much going on in 2020 that Kobe got to be mourned at his funeral or his wake and through the media throughout the year. And I'm saying he didn't, but I think that there was so much happening that it allowed us to not actually grieve. It allowed us to keep jumping around from painful moment to painful moment, which isn't healthy. And I don't know if it ever will feel real. I don't know if it ever really will feel normal, especially for a guy. Like you can argue that he didn't, you can argue that when somebody dies that young, they didn't reach the potential that life had in store for them. It's hard to argue that about Kobe because he did so much in those those 40-ish years. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, he would have done way more, 100%, but he did so much in 41 years. I think it was 41. 41 years that people, I don't think, feel that bad because of that, which is weird. I don't feel that way, but I, I think people look at it like, look at everything he did. And it's just like, yeah, he did a lot, but look at everything he could have done. Yeah, no, I I think that's the tough part. You know, I think you say, yeah, we got more than we probably ever deserved from one single person. But, you know, there's still that that emptiness of of feeling, you know, and, you know, maybe this is a perfect segue to something I know that we wanted to talk about. It's that what if, you know, you know, what if he was still here? How much more would we have gotten from him And, and feeling robbed by that when, you know, it you know, in reality, we should be celebrating, you know, all that we did have. Um, so, and it, you know, but it, it was tough. It was, it was weird because you saying that yesterday I saw a quote, I actually saw a video of COVID I'd never saw before. And I guess it's because I don't have social media. This, this probably has been going all around the world for a year and I have no clue. But when they were asking him about, um, about being able to go back in time, he was like, I would never want to go back in time. And he's like, why not? And he's like, because it takes away from the specialness of that moment. It takes away from the, the love that you had, the pain that you had. It takes away from it being the final time that's ever going to happen. So I don't ever want to go be able to go backwards. I always want to be able to go forwards and appreciate what I did in the past. And I'm probably butchering the way he said it, but 
that was eerie too because this is a video of him talking and everybody's like damn we wish we could bring Kobe back and his message was you should never want to change what has happened because then it changed how you felt about it was probably changed what you did to become who you are based upon those actions yeah I, I it's definitely a sentiment that I would agree with and and side with that any you know anything negative that's ever happened in my life, whether it be relationships or depression or anxiety or or anything else mental, as much as any of those things really sucked. um, Yeah. I wouldn't change it for anything. Like, you know, I I think it's, it's a part of your story. It tells who you are and, you know, even, you know, Kobe passing away is something that at the time was, definitely strongly affecting me, you know? So, um, you know, but it it probably made me think differently about certain things. And, you know, that's a factor, you know, albeit maybe smaller than some of those larger life experiences, you know, that factors into who I am as I sit here today. So, you know, it's definitely something where, you know, there, there should be more uh, of an appreciation of the now and of embracing uh, your past, good and bad, uh, and what that's cultivated into who you are in, in the present. Yeah, it's it's a hard thing because there are times in our lives where we lose so much that we wish we could win again, you know. And like even thinking about Kobe, what if he was actually, what if he actually got drafted number one, which his career says he should have been drafted number one. I wouldn't be surprised if he wouldn't have lasted in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a different place to play. He would have been at home his focus probably could have been skewed by what's going on in his household as opposed to what's going on across the country in LA. And there, there probably is no athlete who a city feels more connected with in our lifetime, especially than Kobe Bryant in LA. So it was almost like, even if we changed that trajectory, we, we would probably change what he gave us because it would drastically change who oversaw his career would drastically change probably how we approach the game. It, it might drastically even change if he was ever even seen on national TV his first couple of years. You know, it's all of that has something to say about it. But I do think that there are people and there are moments where no matter what circumstances change, they would still be who they are. And the moment would still be what it is. I, I really do believe that. I believe that if we dropped Kobe off, and he was 5'10", and he played piano, he was still he Kobe. Great. Yeah, it would have been like, yo, remember that guy who's better than Mozart? Like, it would have been like that. And like, and, and it's because he was so diligent in whatever he chose to focus on. Like, some people are gifted. Some people are talented. Some people blend them together. To me, Kobe was gifted, talented, but then he also found a way to be better than what he was supposed to be at the things nobody is that good at. Like, there's not a, a shooting guard who was as good of a fadeaway jump shot shooter than him. Like you can argue Michael Jordan, but that's where the list ends. There is no guard who played 20 years for one team. There's no, like he did stuff where he wasn't the first to attempt it, but he was the first to actually succeed at it. You know, his first film gives him an Oscar. Like he was, he was on a different kind of planet when it came to being able to be successful. But I think that success wasn't by accident. I think it's because whatever he chose to do, if he really put his focus on it, even though it sounds corny, you put your mind to it, you can do it. I really do think he's one of those people that would have been like, no, I'm going to figure this out. Like if he would have blew his knee out his rookie season, I don't think his life would have been over. 
No, he seems like one of those people that just is too mentally driven to let failure even exist in their life. Um, and there's only a few people like that. You know, they're really one in a million, if not far more unique than that. Um, and, and it's all those people that you would mention that are historically renowned as the best in whatever field they are. Um, you know, cause I, I think that there are people that are more, like you said, more gifted or more talented than Kobe was at many things probably, but probably a lot of them burned out in the league. Like they were more naturally gifted and talented, but he, they weren't working like he was. And so eventually, you know, like they say, hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. And that was, you know, and Kobe was one of those rare breeds, uh, that had both, um, you know, was it? Uh, I always think of the 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 Kanye clip. Are you a different animal? Uh, and and the same beast is that what it is, or, or no? Uh, I might be butchering that, but all time <laughs> funny clip. Um, but yeah, it, he's definitely missed, and uh, you know, the legacy marathon continues. Um, Listen, I say. hope so. I hope so. I I, hope. I really do. Like because I think that there's some. I think that there are certain people in this world that is, it should be criminal to forget. Like I, I really do. And often we do forget about them until it's their, their anniversary of their death or it's their birthday. And then we'd be like, oh yeah, remember such and such. And some people are just too special. Like no offense to everybody, but some people are just people. And then there's some who, who shine a lot brighter in whatever they choose to do. And they can change the course of a person's life just by being them. A lot of people don't have that that impact. A lot of people don't leave those type of footprints on your heart. So when you find the people who do, you got to hold on to them and you got to cherish them in life and in, and in death. And I firmly believe that a person dies twice the day that they leave this earth and the day that the last person says their name. So we got to keep championing his name. But I think it's even deeper than being a basketball player. Kobe Bryant was an amazing basketball player, probably a top five, top 10 basketball player to ever lace him up. And to me, that is only a fraction of what he actually meant to people. Couldn't agree more. So, That's the piece you know, to pain. yep. Thought, thoughts to Vanessa. Yeah. His and, kids, you know, those that loved him. Shout out to Joe. Joe <laughs> yeah, Jellybean yeah. Bryant. Um, All of them. Yeah, like his mother. You know, I, I don't everyone. think that any parent should ever bury their kids. I no. don't. I think that that's like, that's one of, I don't even want to fathom what that feels like. Nope. Never. I never want, never want to experience that. I never want to know someone who has to experience that. Um, and, and there's certainly some that I have known that have had to. And yeah, it's a, you know, I, I you know, how we I feel like we talk about this every week, but comparing trauma, that is not one that I ever want to share in with anyone. Never, never. I never even wanted to know what that felt like. You know how sometimes you're like, huh, I wonder what it'd be like to go through that. No, I'm good. I don't, I don't, I don't want to miss me with all of that. And like, I think Kobe's life had a lot of what ifs. Like, I think it has, like, if Michael Jordan would have retired, stayed retired, people would literally, I, I saw John Solly, he had an interview. He said the only reason Kobe came out of high school wasn't because he could. It was because Michael Jordan was still playing. And he didn't expect Michael Jordan to still be playing at that point in time. Because he was going to, he even said, he said on a, a late night show, uh, Kobe did, he was like, I was going to go to UNC. But Mike was still playing. Really? I, thought, so I, I thought he had been the Duke one. Nope. He was going to go to UNC, baby. I, you would thank Duke, but he loved Mike too much. He can't go to Duke. 
he was going to go to look it up. He was on a he was on a, a late night show, and he was like, "Yeah, I was going to I would have went to UNC if I didn't go straight out of high school." But Mike Mike was still playing. He wanted to play against Chicago Bulls Michael Jordan, so he came up. Which is crazy to think that that guy was so good. He was like, "It don't really matter why I go in the draft because I'm going to be in the NBA. And I'm going to play against Mike." Yeah, that that was that, I think that was one of the crazier things that made it feel like his entire life feels so much closer for me was going to school in Philadelphia, especially at St. Joe's where it's like, yep. Lower Marion, right across the street, right there, <laughs> like right <Yep>. there. <laughs> Ballard Kenwood right there. <laughs> it's like, you know, like this is where that man, and it's like, you know, and so it's funny cause I'm looking at this here now mm-hmm. and it, again, how he, you know, being an unbelievable basketball player only is a fraction of who he was. Like his SAT scores, even that are listed on his Wikipedia page, he could have gone to any college he wanted, probably. Dude, he was special. Like he had, you know, I, I am anticipating this is, it has to have been when it was a, uh, what, 1600 scale. He had like a 1100 SAT. That's very good. You know, yeah, especially for someone where like you're so gifted at a sport where you really don't need to try academically. <laughs> you could tell that that was never really something that he was worried about. Um, and, and he went to – he was in high school where everybody in the country knew who he was. So he could have easily just not done anything. And they probably mm-hmm. like, you're fine, but you're not really doing that for the SAT, you know, unless you derose it. Like, you're there. That's just that's just what you're doing. And the fact that he got 1,100 out of 1,600 when he probably had the world – he took Brandy to the prom, bro. So he was he was doing a lot of things. I was going to say, guys. yeah, I was going to mention that. And I was also going to mention that he ended his high school career as Southeastern Pennsylvania's all-time leading scorer, surpassing Will Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. Will Chamberlain, who put up buckets on professionals. <laughs> yeah, he did it as a guard. Like right. that's, I think everybody forgets now because guards run the NBA and guards run basketball and you could take 35-foot jump shots and even if you miss it, it's considered a good shot because three is more than two. Kobe Bryant played in the mid-90s in, the, in high school. That was a different game. That was feed the post, back them down. Kevin Garnett. Like that, that's the people yes. that were coming out. Yes, and he went number one from high school because he was a big man who would do that. That's different. That's a different – he was a guard doing this. He was like, ah, he was the first guard to ever come out of high school too, to the NBA, if I'm not mistaken. Another first. Well, also, I don't know. By the way, to circle back, someone asked him on Twitter, what school would you have attended? And he said, Duke. Well, I'm finding this. Watch this. I got you. Hold on. Let, let, me, let me show you what Trolling. I'm looking at. There you go, if you want to take a look. That's cute. That's cute. How do, I, I doubt he had control of his Twitter. Coach Dean Smith stopped recruiting me at UNC. Okay, watch this. Watch this. Well, he, he, to be fair, he did say he thought I would go pro and wished me luck. So, you know, it, it probably was something he was considering. But I think I found it. And I haven't looked at this clip at all. I just found it on YouTube. I think this is the clip that it's supposed to be. But, well, not that because that's a commercial. Yeah, no free ads. And I'm mad because it's a Kevin Durant ad for deodorant. I'm like, what is this? I'm not hearing anything if it's fine. 
Hello, I'm Crystal Rich. Thanks for watching The Fumble. Make sure to hit that red subscribe Sounds button below and source. join us every day. <laughs> the year was 1996, a leap year. That year, Lower Marion High Schooler Kobe Bryant decided to leap over college and go straight to the pros. Of course, it worked out for him. He's a five-time NBA champion, 18-time NBA All-Star, and two-time Finals MVP. The list goes on. But for years, the question of what if seems to have plagued the shooting guard legend. What if I would have went to college? Where would I go? The Black Mamba finally reveals his woulda, coulda, shoulda decision on Twitter. No, Sorry, it's not it. It's not a Philadelphia. Story. Not it. Not it. It's totally not it when it was about to confirm what I already said, right? <laughs> no, this is definitely not it. I literally saw he him. Goes, say there's this. no maybe. This is a quote from 2007. There's no maybe about it. Every time I turn on the TV and see Cameron Indoor Stadium, see everyone in Chashevskyville, and see the crazies jumping up and down with the intensity and the building almost shaking, I wonder what it would have been like to play with Corey Maggette and Elton Brand and all those guys. Not true. Not true. It's, it's not all right. True. It's okay. It's okay. It's not, the I'm telling you, I literally watched this man. This was like two years ago. He was on uh, what's it called, Valuetainment, whatever the hell it is. Sounds like again some type of trick photography show. If I've ever well, heard it's a it. two point three million two point three million subscriber YouTube channel, so it's not really a trickery at all. Hey, GameStop is worth ten billion dollars currently. No, it's not because you can't actually touch $10 billion. That's what it should be if everything got sold. That means you don't have $10 billion. They have 2.3 million people <laughs> subscribing to 2.84, excuse me. Something light. Yeah, something light. So I'm going to pause my mic, keep talking. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I will say in your defense, it did say that there was conversations that he had with Dean Smith who just thought he was going pro and stopped recruiting him and coach Cape had kept at it. Um, so it's, it's certainly interesting. 96, 97 Duke was the number two seed in the NCAA tournament, but was upset in the second round by the Friars of Providence. Do you know who the star for Providence that year was? Was it sham God? It was indeed. It wasn't yet. Yes, we weren't sir. yet into the Ryan Gomes era. <laughs> the era that's, of that Ryan soon Gomes. followed. <laughs> Fun right. fact: When I when I uh, visited Providence's campus, the like uh, you know how they have like those sample rooms for you to look at in the dorms. Yeah, the one that we went into had a Ryan Gomes Providence bobblehead on the desk, and I was I it's still to this day I'm like I kind of want that. Um, but yeah, that that Duke team finished thirty seven and two, so it's kind of crazy to think uh, what he could have been like if you add him to that team. I'm gonna again. He this. probably would have fought with everyone at that point in Kobe's life. But listen, I'm gonna find this and I'm gonna let you know what's going on with it because I watched this man out of his own mouth say, "I would attend the UNC." And then maybe here's, he's here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. We'll move on. <laughs> I, will, I will give you. I will give you until the end of the time at which I'm, you know, editing this tonight. Well, if you can find it. Me. I will put it in right here. No, we can save it for part two. It's fine. I'll find okay. it. It's not going to be okay. tonight. It's definitely going to be tonight. But I remember. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to do a lot of deep digging. You know, it's tough. Not really, because a tweet doesn't mean anything, because who knows who sent it? I've given my Twitter to people numerous times, and I'm like, uh, hopefully you don't say anything that gets me fired. But whatever. Like, I can dig it. He probably said Duke because he was like, like you said, oh, they stopped recruiting me, so I would have went there. 
That doesn't mean you wanted to go. He to did add a qualifier. He did add a qualifier, and I will say that. But I'm gonna find it though because I remember vividly remember him like sitting on like this late night couch talking about it. And he's like, if you would have went to college, who would it have been with? And then so I think do, he, do you think? Because because what I'm wondering is if in an ideal world, where would he have wanted to go versus the progression of his recruiting could have been slightly different. That's definitely fair. Yeah, it could it could be any. So it could those. be it could be like a slightly different way that it was asked there versus in the tweet, which is definitely definitely a possibility. Yeah, because I would have went to Harvard. Being, you know, but if if was a I applied for I applied to Harvard. Fun fact, but I was going to apply to Harvard because I had a waiver and I was like, I probably should use some school that I actually would go to. <laughs> I, I I only did that because I was already working for Harvard Athletics in high school, and I was like, maybe that'll help. It didn't. At least not enough, but. We live and we learn. We move. But, you know what I'm saying? There's no ifs. You know what I mean? You got you to keep pushing forward. Yeah, I mean, if I had gone to Harvard, you know, because this, this is always the ifs that I look at. You know, I know when we had kind of tucked in, in preparation for this episode, you know, the, the idea of what ifs and, and having those first thoughts always be negative. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of what I always try and fight because I like to think of all the what ifs that, would have made that issue. You know, if I, if I had gone to Harvard, we would have never known each other. I mean, and nor would I have known many other people who are, you know, unless, absolute unless I went to Harvard life. too. Remember I could have, I had a waiver. Could have applied. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that maybe I would have crossed paths with you while I was working as a student at the time or as a season ticket holder of Harvard football. You know, that would have been what we crossed paths <laughs> just for being years apart. I mean, if my knees didn't give out when I was when I was a kid, I might have been playing for Harvard football. Like that's the thing. Like a lot of ifs, man. If it was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. Like I, I firmly, be- I still to this day believe I could have made a professional sports league of respectable manner, not just like some USFL. So I mean, like a legitimate like NBA, I mean, MLB. Yeah, be careful what you actually- say because we also still can't divulge our grand scheme to be international basketball superstars. Oh yeah, not yet, not yet, not yet. You know, we're gonna, we're so- going to do it. Is we going to do? And it's going. I'm people down. gonna be pissed if they didn't think about it. They are gonna be like, "Damn, we should have got that too." You know what I'm saying? But there's other countries that we won't touch. So if I want to hop on Mongolia, if you're trying to go to the Sudan, they already got a couple NBA players. I mean, it's options. But where are we gonna yeah. go? You know, you know what Sudan needs? A white guard. <laughs> Sir, that's what. That's where they're missing on their quotas. You, you know, you know what that guard's nickname is gonna be? Blood Diamond. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Yo, Blood Diamond. I, I can rock with it. I, I'm down. I'm down. You can call me Blood Diamond. It doesn't just, have the same ring play. as white chocolate, but we're going to go with Blood Diamond. No, I just got to prove my worth. Yeah, no, I, uh, my, my, my athletic what-ifs are, hey, idiot, what if you were like, hey, go play basketball? Just keep playing hockey. I was never going to be 6'4". <laughs> I was a decent hockey player. <laughs> And when I was like 10 or 11, I was like, no, let's go back to basketball. That'll work out. The, the other big what if is just what if I have my growth spurt before the age of 18? Because that was, that was the biggest detriment to me was like I got to high school and everyone started growing and getting way bigger and way stronger and way faster. And I just wasn't. And I was like, well, but like from a skills standpoint, I still would back myself in pretty much most sports. As just like being able to hold my own, at least. Like I still genuinely believe that on a basketball court, from a skill and fundamental basis, I could I could be very good if I was bigger and in better shape. 
Like I, I'd still back myself fundamentally in most one-on-one games, even I with people that are it. well in better shape than I am. Listen, I don't doubt it. That's one of the reasons why I don't even play basketball anymore because I don't want to disrespect the game from not being in good enough shape to play it the way I want to. That's how deep I was in basketball. Like basketball, like the game was so slow to me because I, I saw it from so many. Like I was like I was in. I used to do. I used to play for eight hours a day. Like, that was my thing. Like, I would dribble for, like, two. My aunt had this mirror basement with nothing but mirrors. I would go down there and dribble work on my handles. I would go outside, play Yeah, that, that's games. how you know you're a real hooper is, like, you're not even going to find a hoop. No, you don't need like a hoop. you just want the <laughs> ball in your hand. Give me and, the and ball. And I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I used to, like, I used to, I used to dribble without sneakers so that I didn't learn to, to that it was okay for it to hit my sneaker. Like, I used to, like, if it hits my foot, it's going to hurt. So I got to be able to dribble around these Jones so that I can be able to, mm-hmm. I was insane. I was so focused on basketball and it was just like when, but like I was always wanted to play soccer, but there was no soccer pitches in the hood. I always wanted to play baseball, but there was no more diamonds, even though I lived right down the street from Connie Mack stadium, which was just a, a plot of land at that point. Like I lived down the street from one of the most, most historic and important stadiums in baseball history. And you would and never know there. Anymore. You would and never, never yeah. That's so. That's like depressing. That's like I think I think Ebbets is is it Ebbets that's like that. Like all that's left is like, just like a mark on the ground. It's like this is where home plate was. But it's like on it. a sidewalk. Dude, I wouldn't doubt it because when you go to Connie Mack Stadium, literally, it's not one. It's not a stadium. It's just a, a park now. But like I think there's like a little placard next to the bench, and it's just like this is where Connie Mack Stadium was. And it's like that's fucking depressing. Yeah, I want to find this because like I think it's just like a yeah. It's literally just basically a mark on the sidewalk, and it says Ebbets Field home plate. Yeah, that's terrible. And and it just says, at this location on April 15, 1947, Jack Roosevelt Robinson integrated Major League Baseball. Dude, that's, that's disgusting. It's like they I mean, need, there, need, there needs to be more there. But I'm going to go on a limb and say that people don't care about Black history, which is why Black History Month is a sham. See that transition? Mm-hmm. Um, Professional. When all, we, <laughs> when all we care about is the 27 to 28 days that it comprises. And it's nonsense because we only hear about the same Black people all of the time. And even though we hear about them, we don't really know about them. Like, people can't tell you. People don't know that when Malcolm X was assassinated, they had an event the same night that he got killed in the same exact place. That's how little his life meant to America. People don't realize that America, the people who have stamps that are black people, they didn't get stamps when they were still those same black people. Like when Ali could talk, they wasn't giving him a stamp. When MLK was was trying to lead a revolution, they wasn't giving him a stamp. That these things happen when they are long gone and dead and their history can be sanitized. And then we can also look at them as American heroes, even though America feared them and then made, basically made them anti-American for trying to go against American values. And I've that's also, one of the reasons yeah, we I've also Bill Russell at all costs. Sorry. Facts, facts. Yeah, no, I, I, I apologize for interrupting. I'm, I'm, I'm already, I'm already, uh, you know, hurting the values of uh, letting you tell your story further, which is what you're just complaining about. I've always thought it's such bullshit that stamps is like what we make the pinnacle for black history of like, this is how you get immortalized. Like, no, there's a bunch of scumbags that have statues in cities. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, congrats on your stamp. Nice sticker. Dude, the disrespect is atrocious. Like it's, and it's even, it's like one of those things too. And the reason why I say, I say 27, 28 days and stuff like that, because I don't know how many days are in black history month, but people don't even realize it's black history month until a couple of days in. 
they'd be like, oh, yeah, it was February. It's like, damn. Like, it's the shortest month, and you didn't even realize it until February 2nd, like, or 3rd, or whatever it's going to be. And you probably don't know this. Hershey, the chocolate company, made it also National Chocolate Month. See the bullshit we got to deal with? Chocolate food for chocolate people. <laughs> <laughs> and if you laugh, that, part that, of the That's problem. the other craziest thing, though, is just, like, really, February? Like, you could be like, no, we're not giving them 31. There's plenty that have 30. You really oh, had to, like, everyone. drive the stake in and be like, just give them the shortest one. Dog, they must have cheated. And I mean, look what they did to the Native Americans with the negotiations. So they must have took us for a swindle. Like, oh, you want a month, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know just you. the one for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send it to you in the mail. Like, we probably didn't even get to see the finalists. They probably just told us, like, hey, you have February, you know. And, and I'm happy that it happens. But it's also crazy that, like, the, biz- the only businesses – that really take Black History Month seriously are businesses that have been killing black people. Like McDonald's love to tell you it was Black History Month. Like, like it's like, you red, black, and green, everything. Here's MLK on a Big Mac. Like, it's just like, it's like, what is this? <laughs> but you don't ever see Whole Foods like, yo, Black History Month. Like, that ain't, that ain't really the twist. It's always something that we shouldn't even be consuming in our whole existence is telling us- That liquor moment. store sale. Yeah. You, can you, could you imagine if the beer stores was like, we have a dream that two cases only cost 12 bucks. Like, it'd be like, God damn, <laughs> but I'm going to yeah. buy malt liquor. I, I, I was stuck, you know, I'm stuck thinking about, you know, your neighborhood and think about how fast it would be shut down in a suburb. Like, uh, you know, just like uh, of like the type of, you know, the Karen meme that pops around. <laughs> if, if the suburb of Karen's got wind that on, every corner there was Chinese food and a liquor store and there was one little library that was probably like barely open and hard to find. That shit would be changed so fast. Oh my dog. That shit would be, and not only would it be changed, but the people who made it change would have things named after them. Like, Oh, this is Karen's corner. Like it'd be like, God, no, Karen was out here thugging. Like, but people really, dog, Ivan, people really, really, really just don't care. Like it's like black history. Like I literally, I, I wish I I wish I had proof of this. I don't have proof of it, but I just told, I think I told you this like a week ago, but I literally just told one of my colleagues on Monday, Monday morning, I was like, you know how much we don't care about the stuff that we pretend to care about? And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, when the last time you heard somebody talk about Harry Tubman on a $20 bill? And he was like, oh, and I was like, look how quickly that just went away. It was just like, yeah, we're going to do that. And then he was like, but then he was like, he's like, Maurice, think about it. Everybody was home. People were losing their jobs. It wasn't, I was like, they literally were printing trillions of dollars they were printing new money and they were like we still not gonna give you 20 though like it was like it was like such a slap no no the- no they had to make sure that they still had the guy that loved the trail of tears dog dog and even sidebar i know that's not really a sidebar but the person that harriet Tubman is supposed to replace just look into the history of said person but even if you don't we had to get a former slave and i love harriet tubman I love me some Harriet Tubman. I went to go see her statue in Pennsylvania. It's like 30 minutes away from Philadelphia. And I stayed there in awe. It has like all her living and all her, her, have all her descendants' names etched in the statue around her, living and dead. It was it's super dope. That's dope. Super, it was super, super dope. And I'm sitting there looking like, this is insane. But why is it that every time we get honored in this weird way, it always has to be about somebody who was owned or somebody who didn't own their own rights or something like, it's weird how, how that's part of the story. Like I, once again, love Harriet Tubman, 
Love Harriet Tubman. Why is Harriet Tubman the number one draft pick of the $20 bill? So with that in mind, if you were in control, who would you put on that in, in her place? And why is it Bill Russell? <laughs> well, he wore green. So <laughs> <laughs> we know it looks good. <laughs> what, what I would honestly do, I would take all of the presidents off of the money and maybe not JFK. I might leave JFK and I might leave. JFK's Lincoln. not on one though. He's, he's on a 50 cent piece. That, that doesn't count. <laughs> Damn. Well, Lincoln's and I on, love JFK, but. Uh, Lincoln's on the penny. So, uh, okay. Uh, Sacagawea is on a do- the gold dollar. Are we going to take Sacagawea off? No, we're going to leave Sacagawea. Oh, no. Sacagawea, Sacagawea, you can say. <laughs> She's in. I, I would take off all of the presidents. I would take off all of the presidents. I, I would be okay if we made it modern people who have been existed in the hundred, last hundred years of when this money was printed. Like, I'm okay with that. It doesn't have to be from the beginning of the time. I'm okay if it's if you even show the money and it literally is just non-racist monuments around the country, I'm okay with that. It don't even have to be a person, but like the fact that Almost like, like euros, it like I don't, I don't think the euro has like I think they have people on them. I don't I don't know if they're historical figures though. Yeah, like it doesn't even it could be people we never even heard. It could be Denzel Washington. It could, it could be <laughs> scientists who help cure diseases. It could, it could be great people who you never heard of, one, so that you can look into who this person was. It doesn't have to be these mythical figures. Yeah, these mythical figures who we deem. Also, why does it have to be just one person on each bill? You know what I mean? Like, That's, but that was part of the like argument. A, the same yeah. way, like a stamp, like, like oh. a stamp. But, but it's like but it look. says twenty on it. Like you're, you're gonna know who, like what the value of the bill is. Why can't you have fifteen different people on twenty dollar bills? But you forgot something. When the when the when the uh, twenty dollar bill conversation came up, look how they was gonna fuck us. They was gonna be like, yeah, one side's gonna be Harry Tubman, one side's still gonna be. J-. I was like, hold on, no <laughs> bill has two people. Hey, and, and I'll let you guess who's gonna be on the front and the back. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're gonna make her. You know, when you hold her up to the light and you see the second face, she's gonna be the second face. She's not even gonna be on the big face bill. It's gonna be like, oh, do you see Harriet in the light? Cool. <laughs> but like, and then I'm, they would preach about how that's progress. Right. But like, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like I'm even okay with living presidents because we can look at them being like, mm, did you deserve to be on it? I think one of the reasons why they choose people who are dead because you can't argue at them. It's like, Oh, well, you know what I mean? Like he's dead. It's like, well, he's been dead for a hundred years. Why do we still need a dollar with his face on it? Like if they were to be like, I'm not a fan of this person, but they were like, you were putting, I don't know, George, we're putting Jimmy Carter on a bill. I'll be like, I don't really know that much about Jimmy Carter. Let me see what the hell he was up to. Like, and I can be like, oh, all right. Uh, Habitat can... for Humanity. Huh? Habitat. He's all about that. He is all about Habitat for Humanity. But, like, I, I'm okay. I'm even okay with us putting sports figures on. Like, we care that much. Yeah, I, 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 I like what you said, though, just as, like, a, a blanket statement. Just take political figures off. Take them off. And just, yeah, like, it'd be dope to have, like, a George Washington Carver $10 bill. That'd be ew. That'd be so sick. And you know they're gonna. You know what they're gonna do. They can be like, well, if George Washington Carver's on the ten. Joe Namath on the twenty. Why is Joe Namath on the twenty, dog? Yeah, Joe <laughs> Namath should like, be in the gonna... Hall of Fame in his own sport, dog. And you know, you know, a picture they're gonna pick up him with the fur coat on. They're like, look at the progress we made with this money. I'm like, this is some bullshit. But like, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, and I'm okay with changing the money up. Like the money don't gotta always look exactly the same. If it still is counts the same amount of value. I don't care if it's George Washington or George Washington Carver, if you actually just be like, okay, this is what we're doing with the money. Cause we make it. It's not like we import the money. We can change it whenever we want. It, it adds, it'd be, it would add some kind of cool historical value to them too. 
Like I'm, I'm just thinking as someone that's been a collector of, you know, usually sports memorabilia, but like, you know, how, how cool would that be? You know, people that collect coins, that'd be so dope to be like, I have that George Washington Carver build that was only in circulation from 2021 to 2026. Boom. Oh, oh, you got the Obama hundred? Like that's ill. That's so. That'd be so dope. And it also helps people understand the history of America as opposed to where we were. It shows us where we've been and where we're going. Like that, that could be something. This, that, this may be a conversation that we have to save for another podcast to draft, draft our bills. I like that. We're going to draft the bills. So this is my, uh-huh. this is my last comment about this. Dave Chappelle said it best. Explain to me why our money looks like green baseball cards with slave owners on them. <laughs> and you know what most of the money is made out of? Cotton. You can't tell me that they ain't make they ain't figure this out. This ain't no coincidence. Slave oh, no, owners. There's nothing wrong. that's a coincidence. They're just kind of swept under the rug. You dig? Slave owner. Slave owners are on all of our bills, and you're about to put a former slave on a bill. Which I'm not mad that Harriet Tubman. I'm just saying, like, why is it always got to be a former slave? Yeah, it's like it is and, progress. And yes. we should have long removed Andrew Jackson from a bill. Yes. And but there's God. other options. And <laughs> like, why not Martin Luther King? The man that everyone's like, why can't you protest peacefully? Why not Rosa Parks? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I get that. I get that there would be outrage because of his style if, like, Malcolm X was on a bill. Yeah, they're not putting Black like, Panthers. Like, like, we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to put Tupac on a bill. <laughs> <laughs> but Wait, if, was, if Tupac was on a $2 bill, that'd be lit. That'd, that'd be, be ill. Ill. All right, saving that for my draft picks. Yes, <laughs> they're rare. Think about it, they're rare. Most people won't ever see one, and he's too pop, too like it just is too perfect. Just in the corners, there's only one. It's only the top left corner that has the two for the two dollar, <laughs> and then every other corner is PAC. <laughs> you know, on the back instead of the all saying I, you got the West Side logo. <laughs> she says Thug Life. <laughs> thug life. Not in God we trust. It just say Thug Life. That'd be so good. That'd be dirty. I, I would. I would buy. A hundred of those just to submit to grading companies just for one pristine one. And then I'd yes. sell the rest. Oh, oh I have by the way, if you're, if you're looking, cause this is something that I think you could do. If you were ever wanting to find a way to invest sports cards are big. Oh yeah. I, I have sports cards since I was a kid. I still collect. Sports no, cards. but like they're in a boom again. Oh, like, I, know. I bought, I know I've trust me. I've been dude, dog, I'm so excited to go home and just go through what I still have. Cause I dude, made sure been, like, I, I got rid of so much shit before I moved down here, but I made sure to keep all the good stuff. But like, I've even been loading up on stuff down here. I bought a, a Mookie Betts graded 10 rookie card, like $110, like two and a half months ago. And now they're selling over $200. I was like, stocks don't do that normally. I was nah. like, and it's, you know, that smart thing of invest what you know is always what they say. And it was like, that's where I my money is. Like I, I just like to scoop stuff up, and it brings back that childish side of it. It's like uh, you get kind of giddy and excited, like you did opening cards as a kid. It's just dope. No, I agree with you. I agree with you, and it and it, it makes you care more about what it is as opposed to what you're trying to get from it. Because mm-hmm. if you only yeah. build something to make profit off of it, you rarely care about it as much as you should. Yeah, no, that, that's the tough thing. Is like. Obviously, there's stuff where I'm like, oh, I think I should buy this just for. I like to try and mix the the business and pleasure on this. Where I'm like, like I I, I almost bought one today, and it was like an Adrian Beltre 
rookie card, like graded. Ooh, they and should. I, was like, oh, I did just buy the Cassius Clay one, not the Mom and Ali ones that Topps just put out the limited ones. My boy oh, yeah? sent it to me, and he was just like Reese. He did, all he did was say Reese, and then sent me the link, and I and I sent him back. Dude, Topps does some great stuff, it. but yeah, like I I got some of them here. Like you should do Adrian and Beltre when somebody touches his hair. Mm. <laughs> yeah dude, it, it's crazy like i i'll even do stuff like when lang first got to the league like i picked up a couple of his autographs and i was like that's just so dope that someone i know yeah. has has cards now and it's like Ooh, it's awesome man we got to celebrate stuff like that we we got to stop acting too cool to give props and credence or even too cool to be fans you see what i did here too cool to be fan fans cool you know no no never mind but we gotta we gotta do better about that. Like I think that's dope that you collected that stuff online. Like, I think it's dope that you bought a sneaker. Like that's ill to me. I wanted to buy sneakers. I wanted to buy the the, uh, the custom joints though, but they weren't selling those. I was like, I know, dude. I need some custom. It, 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 I, I I almost wish he wasn't as good of a person as he is. Where like they all went to charity because I was, I really wanted to be like, get that pair. <laughs> 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 or like when I went and saw him down in Houston and he was rocking like NASA kicks. I was I, I really wanted to be like. Just, let me just take those real quick. And yeah, I was like, or can I buy them from you? You give my money to charity. Can we do that? <laughs> that that that's an angle that I may have to uh, approach. Listen, we'll I am the, the spin doctor. Is. I am the spin doctor. I can make anything positive. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that. That was not one that I had considered, but I would absolutely do that because, yeah, I mean his his stuff is dope, but like it, it's still crazy to me. Like he literally has stuff of his in the basketball hall of fame for sneakers yeah his toy story sneakers are in the basketball hall of fame didn't know that that's amazing which is like i, I haven't been to the basketball hall of fame in at probably 15 years but springfield massachusetts yeah the closest i've been was getting severe dehydration after going to six flags and throwing up at a gas station across the street from the basketball hall of fame so i could see it but that doesn't count that's not a slightly different experience i thought you were going to say something completely different about how close you got to being in the basketball hall of fame (laughs) 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 and the closest i ever got was uh i I, I think i came up short about six inches (laughs) like yeah no if i was six five I, i might be there listen man it's it's not about the size of the dog in the fight it's the size of the fight in the dog, as long as that dog has two good hips and signs that max contract. I was so, also gonna say it's also the size. It's also the dog or, or the the fight in the dog when they also have a forty inch vertical. Oh my, much helps. So so we'll talk about the fight in the dog. Why did they put Connor down to sleep like that? Like what's going on? Why is everybody off of the Connor train because he lost? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get, I don't get the people that are like, like I had friends saying it's a good segue, and we'll wrap it up probably on the on these thoughts. Um, I don't get the people that are like Connor sucked. Like the first round, he was. I didn't it. see like, the fight. I just saw the highlights, yeah. so I can't. Yeah, really so it, it, to to kind of clarify my thoughts on this, the first round, especially for someone that hadn't fought in a year and is fighting someone as good as Dustin Poirier. He more than held his own. You could argue he may have won the round. It was about even striking. Okay. Um, Connor probably controlled like the the forward movement a little bit more. And, and Connor Dustin probably has never ticket. lost a first round. Connor probably has never lost a first round right. in his, in his right. UFC career. I can't really speak for the other leagues, but I wasn't but surprised. Anticipate he can't possibly have lost something outside the UFC in the first round when he was probably starching I, everyone in said first round. 
I mean, we don't. It's possible. I've never it's seen possible. his first fight. Like I've seen like his yeah, fifth fight fair. and on. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, so it was really close, and then um, Dustin just chewed up his legs, um, and from there, you know, he kind of he caught him leaning into one punch and just kind of stunned him, and and obviously Dustin hits hard as hell, so yeah. kind of kind of worked it from there. And the final one was again he was kind of ducking and just ducked right into a right hook from Poirier that put him out. But we semi-predicted this when we were like, look at how many times Poirier has fought. Look who the people, the last two mm-hmm. fights of both of them. We, we were talking about, like, this is a lot closer of a fight. Like, neither one of us actually picked Dustin. And I think the only reason we didn't pick Dustin is because the only way we thought Dustin was going to win is by knocking him out. And that or just points, you know, long decision type of fight. Um, I didn't think it was yes. going to the decision. I didn't ever think it was going. I thought it was going. It was going in within the five rounds. Like, it, I, it seemed I like it was half to. I I wouldn't have been shocked if it had been a submission. It was just like I, you know, I, I think and we did say this. Dustin had more ways to win the fight. He had more tools. He had more tools. Right. It Connor maybe just had the most devastating tool, but also Dustin takes a hell of a shot. Always has since pretty much the last time that Connor got him. But to say the that 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 since coming to 155 since since coming to 155 yeah. like that dude's been in there with Alvarez, Gaethje, Khabib. Yeah. Like he's taken plenty of licks. Holloway at 155, you know, like, you know, so his toughness was never really in question. Um and and McGregor even said it in his, you know, post-fight interviews like inactivity does not work in this game. And I don't like how people are trying to use that. Like, I don't like how people are trying to use that against Connor as if he is trying to not fight. Like, I think that somebody said it, and it made a lot of sense, where you can make the parallel between John Jones and Connor McGregor with how few and far between they actually fight. But the difference is one of these guys doesn't want to fight, and the other guy, they won't let him fight. So how can we get mad at him because he didn't have a great performance? And – I saw his, his body didn't look right. Like, I've never seen Connor look that, like, thin, except for when he was cheating, in my personal opinion, when he was dropping down a featherweight. Like, I, he was killing it. Like, that, I think that was just cheating. Like, I mean, I, really, I, I think, that's, I think that's one of the biggest disadvantages of inactivity. It's like, un, unless you're Nick Diaz, you don't just cut weight just to cut weight. Like, DSP does. Come on, man. The GOAT. Okay, okay, yeah. But again, <laughs> unless you're one of those weird unicorn people like those two, yeah, like who's, he is like there was no point in the last year where Connor even go further back he, him and Cowboy they were like let's fight at one seventy or both yeah. one fifty five but we don't want to cut weight like that yeah. dude hadn't cut weight since the Khabib fight yeah and we're talking two and a half years and I think that so it's like I, I think that's that's one of the biggest detriments more than like any actual you know obviously you have disadvantage of inactivity in the octagon but like even just the lead up like your body's not used to that anymore. And Connor's should in his never be used to it. Too. And Connor's in his early 30s. And I think people act like just because he is one of the greatest athletes we've probably ever seen in our life when it comes to genetics, that he's just going to be able to keep doing these. Everybody is not LeBron James. We got to stop acting like that. Like there is usually a window where people are no longer. Especially in fighting. And people are no longer who we thought they were. And it usually goes really quickly. I think that in the steroid era and currently with new science, we have forgotten that. To me, athletes. This to me, this is the perfect analogy. Athletic prime has become the new season when it comes to food. 
people don't realize that food's supposed to come at different seasons. Like you're not supposed to be eating oranges all year round. You're not supposed to get strawberries in December. Like that's not what's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. But because science has come so far, we're able to extend things longer than we probably should, but at least we can still eat what we want. That's the same thing with athletes. Because things have changed so much, people forget that you're supposed to have a window. You're supposed to have an opportunity to be great as opposed to your entire career. You're supposed to be operating at a, at a great level. That's not and I think normal. I think it's something where because we have a couple of those unicorns like the like the LeBrons, like the Tom Brady's, where it's like you're just surpassing what you're supposed to be able to do with with the normal shelf life of an athletic peak. Mm-hmm. Like we're forgetting that that's how rare that should be. It's just the fact that we have multiple people doing that. Somehow we assume that that's going to be the case for every superstar. Um, you know, and the same thing goes for like. Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, you know, if we look at their, like, their peaks are longer than they should have been. Yeah, and then, and, then the ones, and then the ones who you can obviously see should have hung it up years before, it's, it's fucking sad. Like, it's fucking right. Like, watching your And the other thing is just in terms of fighting. Yeah, and, and the other thing that we're, you know, like, this is fighting. Like, your shelf life can get a lot shorter, a lot quicker in fighting. Like, look at Calvin Cater. You know, like in that fight with Max Holloway, he he had f- fights taken off for sure. What he could have done potentially, I had fights taken off while watching that shit. I was like, God damn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I recorded but, that so I'm uh, tonight. But all right, who does Mystic Mac fight next, and why? And why is Dustin Poirier not technically the champion right now? He's yeah, Dustin Poirier guy. is the champion in my mind, and should be in the mind of any MMA fan. Um, the, the way I look at it, it for both of them, I'm, I'm going to give you my thoughts on both of them. So I'm going to start with Dustin because he's the champ. I think what they should do is have Justin Gaethje fight Michael Chandler. The winner of that faces Dustin Poirier for his belt that they should give him in the meantime. Okay. Because he's beaten Gaethje. He, he, I, I think, you know, he's earned himself a little bit of time. I don't think there's someone that, like, right now, I'm like, you need to – maybe you have him fight Charles Oliveira. Um, that would be the only one. Um, I, I'd like to see – But, like, Charles I'm not – Oliveira conversation, man. Like, I'm not into it. Like, yes, he's I'm, a, I'm not either. But he – but they're just – they're trying to fast track him so that he can be more entertaining and have mm-hmm. more eyes on him. The same thing with the dude uh, – was it Chimaev? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the fact Leon Edwards can't get a title shot and he's been the number one contender for dude. I don't even know how long now. And he's like, no, go fight the guy who we want to be the number one contender. It's like, come on, man. Yep. And so yeah. And then when it comes to Connor, now's the time. It's time to run the trilogy at one fifty five with Nate. Stockton, bitch. (laughs) And and what you do, which is something that we have discussed. You compound that if all rumors are true that Nick Diaz has been and can get down to 155. I want this. I don't care how you do it. I, uh, they can't do it because the California State Commission is going to be a shit show. With uh, I want that in Oakland. Because <laughs> you you know if if the if the true Connor is back. Okay, so so let me clarify what the fights are going to be. Main event is Connor Nate three. Uh-huh. And then the co-main is Nick against Tony Ferguson. Damn right. Because if we have, if we truly have the c- hungry Conor McGregor back that he he seems to be putting on that he is, 
you know he's down to go fight in someone else's home, especially Nate. Like, you know he would be down to do that for the spectacle of it. And Tony Ferguson's a psychopath, so he'd be down. And I just sold you two million pay-per-views. All right, so this is where it has to be since California is is basically a third-world country right now. Move it to Washington State because it's not too far. They also have recreational marijuana, and UFC have relaxed their, their regulations on recreational marijuana. So that way, yeah, I was gonna say Colorado maybe, but I don't think altitude. Colorado. I don't, has I, don't, a space. I don't want no excuses. The altitude is gonna be. Oh my god, the altitude. No, I don't want no excuses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're gonna keep this thing a little bit lower when it comes to the sea level and move it to Washington State. It's not that far from California. It's it's it. Like, they need something there. Uh, just don't put it in Seattle because you know things have been going crazy over there last year, and we're gonna get this thing popping. And if they don't do that one, my other kind of sleeper pick for who Connor can fight next. And again, I'm looking at this both from because you know he is. It has to be okay. So there's actually two. I'm going to throw two more out for Connor. One, the RDA fight that never happened. Okay. Um, that led to this whole Nate rivalry to begin with. The other one I'm going to throw out there. Because um, RDA is seven right now, Connor six in the rankings. Oh, they already so, updated the rankings? Yeah, they already updated the rankings. And then so my other thought is just just for – like I'm just looking at the poster, right? Mm-hmm. Ireland versus the Irish Dragon. Connor versus Paul Felder might be a fun fight. I don't think Paul Felder wants that kind of smoke, but – I don't think he'd, but I think he, he's called out Connor, or it, you know, he's mentioned Connor's name in the past in post fight interviews. Look how look how different that statement is. He yeah, called I, he mentioned him. <laughs> yeah. Paul Felder's just such a nice guy, though. True. So you can tweet it. <laughs> but uh, what what which fight was it that must have been after he beat Edson because he lost to then Hooker and RDA. But so this is a real question. If both Diaz brothers lose on his Diaz review that we created a week or two ago, do they just hang it all up, cash out, get that money because they're going to be the pay-per-view stars, even though Connor will be on the card too. People love the Diaz brothers, especially West Coast. Or do or does the UFC actually just cut them? Because realistically speaking, fighting once every three years for one of them and then once every seven years for the other one doesn't really do I mean, much. they can't. Well, I guess they can blame Nick because he failed the, the drug test, but he's been suspended most of that time. No, he got it reduced and just been sitting out. He's just doing triathlons, cutting down to 155 for shits and gigs. But they've been – that's why I think or, – or, or can you convince them for the ultimate pay-per-view, Diaz versus Diaz? Never going to happen. <laughs> they would never or, do it. But, but also or, they could be psychopath enough to do it. I don't think they would. Or I got one for you, Ivan. You ready okay. for this game changer? You ready? For, are you sure you're ready for this? Tag team. No. <laughs> <laughs> Diaz versus Diaz on the, on the relaunch of Tough. And then but – but they are fighting other people. So, like, Nate will, will be fighting whomever. Nick will be fighting whomever. But they are actually – How many people would they throw out of Tough just for being soft? <laughs> that's gonna be, like, that's gonna, my be gym. gonna be a soft pool so like they get three toss outs each and they can be like all right that's going into the soft pool and if you need a replacement fighter you just gotta pick for one of them but like that'd be crazy because it'll be the first that'd be, time that'd be a great that'd be a great because I, I don't know what they're doing with tough obviously with the lockdown stuff 
I feel like they should be able to still do it. So that, that's kind of an in the house, yeah. angle. Dude, that'd be awesome because if people love these guys and it wouldn't be a bad animosity, it'll actually be positive for UFC to look because a lot of those tough seasons were just shit shows. But like this would be dope too because that way the shit talking will be preserved for the actual fights. And it would just be mm. more about learning about the two Diaz brothers, building up their name, even though their brand is already high, but introducing them to a younger See, audience. We did that. Probably. I'm, I'm on fire tonight with these. <laughs> <laughs> it, could be, it could be dope. It could be real, real dope. And then you might actually get a little bit of a, of a little sparring tussle, Matt, with the, with the Diaz brothers. You never know. It'd be, it'd be kind of cool. Because I, I, I could see them being, like, very hands-on with it. Like, a- almost like um, some of the stories that come out about, like, Michael Jordan's ownership, where he's just like, I'm just going to play these people one-on-one. Like, I could see the Diaz being like, no, you idiot, you just do this. Because, <laughs> like, they're just – yeah, they're just so <laughs> gifted at it. They're like, yeah, no, you just pull guard and flying triangle them. It's not that difficult. <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it all. I'd also I love – I'd, I'd like to get Max Holloway in this mix at 155. I don't, man. I don't think Max no. is a 155er. I think Max is great enough to win to actually win at 155, but he doesn't carry weight well. Like maybe, maybe the last time he fought on it, he just ate and he was just like, "I'm going to gain weight. I'm not going to gain it the best way." But he looks flabby. He looks slow. Like he just didn't move. Like even though he has, he's 5'10", right? He should be able he's to big, go up yeah. and weight. Yeah, he should be able to go up and weight. But I think he's so yeah. Good. I think I think it's also like he's. You know, I don't think that's something where, like, if you take a fight on 12 weeks notice, like, suddenly you're going to be able to – even a professional fighter, like, you're not going to make those body modifications in that short amount of a time to be like, oh, we need you to fight at 155 here. Because, like, he's never fought at 155 except on short notice against Poirier. Yeah. And, yeah, like, you know, so it's like, you know, I, I don't think – I think it was something – if you gave him eight, nine months off, which is just not the way he operates – but you yeah, gave him that awesome. eight, nine months to like, like, I think that's probably what it would take even someone at his level to, you know, revitalize your body to fight at a different weight. See, I'm down to see more Max of anything. I worry though, that he, like we talked about this before his he fight. Keeps I said taking it. He, the accumulated shots. He's, but he's great at rolling them off. When you yeah. gain weight like that, them rolls knock you the fuck out. Like, this is like, I thought I was rolling with it, but here we are. Like, and, and I worry about that. Like, I, part of me just feels like I would love, I would love it if Max could move to 155, but it was a guaranteed title shot. Not that he had to fight twice to get to a title. Not that, I don't want him to. I, I think I feel like that. See, that's an interesting one. That there's another option for Poirier. Max just had arguably, yeah, you run the rematch, not on short notice. Ooh, run it back! Because that was a, that was a fight of the year contender. It was it was slightly overshadowed by the co-main of Izzy and Gasolum, which was even crazier. He was willing to die. You saw Izzy. I'm willing to die in here, and I was like, this is a different person. Yeah, but that's a that's a fun one, especially off the performance that both have just had. Now, you know, you get that recency bias to build that fight up. I worry about that Bacon one title. Max. I'm with it. I'm with I'm it. Taking Max, that, that, I'm taking Max, but I worry about that one because Max throughout his career has been very susceptible to late kicks. Like, he's just like, uh, but he's just so such I a I actually freak. saw an interesting tweet. And here's, you know, just to wrap it up with one more what if in sports. After watching Connor take like, because I know you haven't seen the full fight, but mm-hmm. he wasn't checking them properly. Like, even the ones he was checking, like yeah, Dustin Poirier, he was even telling, saying this in his post fight. He's like, 
they were still catching muscle and you could tell that he was not yeah like the shim wasn't all the way out the way it needed you got to turn it when you the, when right you yeah his shim was like not all the way out he was like dustin was still getting the muscle and, and chewing it up if conor mcgregor doesn't knock out jose aldo in 13 seconds jose aldo but yes what did i say jose yeah i, I apologize i meant jose but if he doesn't knock out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds with Jose Aldo's leg kicks. Yes. Yes. That, like, yes. all I of think, Conor McGregor might not be Conor McGregor. I, Would not listen, be Conor McGregor. We, we've talked about this many moons ago where I was like, Conor McGregor is one of the greatest fighters ever. Cool. Future Hall of Famer. Cool. He has a lot of interesting blemishes on his record. Like, it just is like, like he did what he's supposed to do. But, like, I once again, featherweight, felt like he was cheating. I felt like if, if this was, like, wrestling where you could only rehydrate story a certain is, amount. I think his story is better than he is as a fighter, if that makes sense. Yes. His, his legend, his aura around yeah. him is greater than what he actually has produced. And, not, and there's nothing to me. You only can fight who's in front of you. I can dig it. And whatever weight class they chose to fight at, that's a adult's decision. But if we're really saying that the best version of Connor fights the best version of all of the people he beat at their best version, I don't know if I take Connor in most of those fights. Like I don't know I mean, if we I just take saw it. Connor. Yeah, we just saw it this past weekend. Yeah, like I don't, I, I don't. Like I, he fought I, a lot I, of people at the perfect time, which is a credit yeah. to that's what Mayweather did. Mayweather him. did the same yeah. type of thing, and he didn't pick his own fights, which is dope by him. Like they lined him up and he knocked them down. But I don't think featherweight best featherweight Connor beats best featherweight Max Holloway I don't believe that like I don't think like we saw what happened with Dustin we like we even saw Jose Jose didn't even fight the way Jose fights like he got mad he got, he got emotional. emotional yeah yeah and he rushed in once again his fault Connor gave him the perfect boom bye-bye that's not that's not Connor's fault but if we really saying this was a series like this is baseball or basketball and there's seven fights and he had to fight Jose Otto at his best and Connor was at his best I'm thinking Jose Aldo is going to win minimum of three of those, which means he probably could win the series. I'm not sure which version or when this version of, of peak would be, but what would you say was peak cowboy? And do you think he beats peak cowboy? I think there might be two different answers for that. I think it's back. Cause when there was, was like, the dad cowboy. Like when, when dad cowboy first came, that was like a new thing. New yeah, animal. that's what I was going to say. I think when he came back... Like, when, when he fought Alex Hernandez, when we watched that fight, mm-hmm. when he yeah. said, I'm going to put your geriatric bass, uh, <laughs> ass back out to pasture, and he just pieced that dude up. Yeah, I think that... I think that... I think there's two versions of Cowboy that had the best chance of being Connor. I don't know if Cowboy ever beats Connor, but the two best versions are him coming back after having his kid and being like, I'm doing this for my son. I'm, I'm serious about winning a championship. And then the Cowboy who just didn't give a fuck before that. Who was just like leg kicking motherfuckers? Like, like the <laughs> like, one that was beating Edson Barbosa, Eddie Alvarez within three yes, fights. Yes, yes, kicking motherfuckers' heads off. Like he didn't. He just Rick, was the, out yeah, the Rick Story right. knockout. Yeah, yeah. Which, those two, those two have the best. I, I, I don't think I realized in in remembering that that cowboy knockout, his best in in my eyes, and I, I would have to think in everyone's eyes, right? I am thinking of the right one. It was the Rick Story combo. Uh, but that was at UFC 202. So long ago. <laughs> but, but, so, like, that was the same card as Connor Nate 2. That's insane. Which is kind of crazy. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I remember that. Because that card, I remember, also had an unreal knockout from Rumble, who yeah. I'm hoping to see him back soon. Oh, side note, I still think Nate won that fight. 
See, I, I thought Connor won that one, but I, oh, I can watch, see both sides of that. First watch, I thought Connor won. Like, I was watching it out, like, at a bar. I rewatched it last year, right before Connor fought uh, Cowboy, because they showed it again. And I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, the issue is just the same issue with all of the Diaz fights. They bleed so fucking much that you so like, much no way tissue. you're winning. Yeah, it's like, no, get that shit removed. Like, they've been the, the, out long and, enough. And to obviously, there's the other issue on top of that, which is just MMA scoring. It's oh, a shit show altogether and should it's not so be 10 nines. So, like, you know, that's always going to play a factor, especially in those razor. Like, like, did you still think it was a very close fight? Super close. Super okay, close. Yeah. I'm not mad at so somebody. Like, it wasn't something where it's like Nate was like, you know, some suddenly, you know, because like, you know, I, I never heard any argument of that. Um, nah, nah. Except unless people just really hated Connor or really hated Nate, and then it was a blowout. Nah, I think way, it was a obviously. Razor, I think it was a razor thin fight, but I think Nate controlled the fight more than Connor. I think Nate landed. Connor ran a lot towards the end. I do remember I think that. He thought he had it in the bag, and I and Nate was just like, "I'm actually just getting started. Let's <laughs> let's bang, motherfucker. Let's get this shit cracking." I, I, I can just, watch I just the wish they got the scar anytime. tissue. I, yeah, I just wish they got the scar tissue removed. You can get surgery to get that removed now. They've been, they haven't been fighting in years, literally years at this point. Just get that shit removed and come back a new man. Like, I know we're going to clown you for getting plastic surgery and shit, but, like, get that shit removed, man, because I feel like they will win so many more fights if their faces just didn't fall off. Like, it's just like, come on. Yeah, I, I, I love how honorable the Diaz's are. Like, how Nate's like, I, I, they're like, or like, do we have you back now? He's like, no, I just wasn't fighting anyone because none of them were worth shit. Dog. He's, like, he's like, no one's here real fighter. Yo, Ivan, no lie. Last week, last, I don't know why I did this. Last week, I went on a really deep dive of Nate Diaz on Instagram. And I could not stop laughing. And I've seen it before, but I could not stop laughing when he's like, all these motherfuckers on steroids. <laughs> Wait, did you, have you seen some of his tweets? Like, even this past week? No, but but the reason why it was so funny because Connor got so tight. I've never seen Connor McGregor actually mad, like actually really yeah. mad. Even when he attacked the bus, I don't think he was actually really mad. I think he did it for show and it was a dumb idea. He was so fucking mad because he was talking shit, and then Nate was like, Man, you're on he's like, you're on steroids. All these motherfuckers on steroids. And he was like, What'd you just say? I am vehemently like he started talking proper English. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> Yeah, let's run through some of Khabib's uh, – or not Khabib, uh, just because he mentions Khabib in the first one. Khabib misspelled is a pussy for real. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then – so this was – Oh, that was this, – this was this year? Yeah, no, this is like in the last week or two. This is <laughs> This was the, the Connor result. These guys just all get finished all the time. <laughs> Uh, and then he tweeted this I'm trying to whoop your ass next Be about it Don't talk about it And then he goes You and DP just got choked on your face The other day By a guy that ran off And didn't want none Especially with me How are you going to fight for a title I've been here 14 years And no one can do me like that Ever in life LOL Lightweight division Yo I didn't realize Nate be out here Because Poirier threw out his name He'd be like I, I'm Did down it? to fight Nate Dog Which, I I, I'm down for that scrap too Dog, I'm down for any Nate Diaz scrap, Nick Diaz scrap. As yeah, long. I was going to say, you, you didn't need to even add Nate, just any Diaz. Any Diaz scrap. Like, I just need them to actually want to fight. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm kind of I'm – get, I am getting to the point, and I hope I don't actually reach this point, but I am getting to the point where I'm so exhausted from talking about the what-ifs of any of them fighting that I really don't – I'm starting to not care unless it actually happens. 
which I hope not because I love to like focus on them, but it's just too many pump fakes. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I I want these fights now. I'm excited. We, we got a lot of fights coming up that'll be that'll be fun to talk about. There's not too many big women fights coming up, which I'm really surprised at. Like I don't know what's going well, on with all part of that. Part of the problem is your 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 women's champs are just that damn good. I think Valentina Shevchenko wants to fight Amanda Nunes, and we're just acting like they don't want to fight each other. Yeah, but the problem is right now Amanda's defending 145, and Valentina's not going there. So it's like we got to do the 145 because like she's still defending both belts. Yeah, she is defending both belts, but at least make it for the end of the year so we know who has something to look forward to. Be like, ew, September. <laughs> like, all right, cool. Like, uh, like uh, I still – I want to see Thug Rose get back in there. I want to see Joanna mm-hmm. get back in there. Like, I want to see Whaley. I want to see her get back in there. They're, like, even Holly Holm hasn't fought in a minute. Because, like, where's up with everybody? Where's all of the women fighting the top-level women, I should say? Because there are women fighting, not saying that. Yeah, because Rose just won, too. Yeah, she like just she won. she avenged the loss of when she lost her belt. Yeah, which and then it, which which like even when she lost her belt, she was winning that fight. Yeah, until she got slammed on her neck. I, but, still hurts to think about as as someone that loves Rose, but that, that it hurts. Hurt. It hurts me a little bit every time I look at Rose because I ruined a relationship with a girl who looked a lot like her, and I was like, I should have stepped my life back up. I should have did a little bit better. But here we are. You know, and we're not all Pat Barry. What if? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know what what shade Pat Barry is. Like, I don't know his race. I don't know his. He to me, he to me, he's like the yeah, Rock. Who, like, who, has, who has hold of him in the racial draft? Whoever the Rock's team is. Like, I feel like there's a lot Polynesia. of people like that. Sure, Drake is over there. Logic is over there. Like, I know actually Drake and Logic's taupe. real racist. Who? <laughs> there, there's the color of taupe. Taupe, yeah, taupe. You, you are off white. That's 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 their off white. Off white. <laughs> that seems like a good way to wrap it up. Wrap it up, baby. We, we, we'll get a racial draft going soon. I'm we gotta sure get a racial draft. I'm sure that's coming. I feel like every month we should do a racial draft of a different industry. Okay, that, that, that could be interesting. But yeah, yeah we, next we the next week, next week we're doing it. We're drafting our dollars. I'm down. I'm down, dog. Like this is gonna be. I'm gonna go as I'm editing this and just think about that the entire time. I'm. I'm. Cre- I'm. Cre- I might create a bill too. I'm. I'm keeping real with you because I think Bill Russell. Uh, needs I, I, I can hop in Photoshop. I. I think Bill Russell needs to be on the bill the same amount of championships he has. I think it's just we'll make it work. Like we change prices all the time. Things could. Co- things don't have to cost ten and twenty dollars. It could be somewhere in between. So we're gonna be like you. Uh- <laughs> I'm just saying, man. We'll we'll be on a hundred dollar bill, of course. Like we go, we gonna figure this Ooh. out. Yeah, that was one I hadn't thought about. That's that's a good one. That's a good one. That'd be just a hundred dollar picture. Like, oh, yeah. it looked like a food stamp. This is gonna be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I we'll draft our own, but you know, I'd, I'd say both of us will probably come prepared with some alternates. Oh man, I'm, I can't wait for this. This is gonna be amazing. I'm gonna have one that's gonna shock you because you're like. Really? I'm like, you gotta put you gotta put one of these people on here just to appease everybody else. <laughs> so it's a white person. <laughs> or it's a black person that black people don't like anymore. <laughs> Stacy Dash, can't wait. <laughs> Terry Cruz on a one dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We out.
since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. buckets. Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. buckets. Pull it back, Kobe. Kobe, 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 Kobe. Pull it back, Kobe. Swish. I don't even gotta look, I take the shot in here. Swish. I don't even touch the rim when I pull up, it's just swish. Backboard wet, only thing I know is swish. Pull it back, Kobe. Uh, rest in peace to the Mamba and Baby GG. Still remember where I was standing after the three P. Fro was lined up yelling Kobe, but playing Pee Wee. Well, you know that shoot the freebie right after they tear Achilles. Killer, number eight was crazy, but 24 was scary. Respect his name and else he might show up as Bloody Mary. Won't forget the things he mentioned, how to get a Larry. Whatever necessary, he tried to help prepare me. They tell us never look in the eyes of a killer. I did it out respect for the greatest. At Staples Center, the closest thing to MJ, and no, I ain't talking thriller. It ain't an iron team, but a me in it. Please remember, Ben. Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. buckets. Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. buckets. Pull it back, Kobe. Kobe, 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 Kobe. Pull it back, Kobe. Swish. I don't even gotta look, I take the shot in here. Swish. I don't even touch the rim when I pull up, it's just swish. Backboard wet, only thing I know is swish. Pull it back, Kobe. Shot clock and it's getting late. Cross over, then hesitate. Skate by him like a figure eight. Whoever left, dunk bait. Give me the ball, can't wait. Catch them all with the pump fake. Money good, that's number eight. Clutch time, hard in the paint. Kobe. Purple and gold. Lake a legend. Killer, killer. Stone cold. Ain't no question. Five time champion. The eighth wonder raining on them. Take cover, switched up and changed numbers. Wow. Many tried him, but came up show 24, king of the coat I'ma need backup, mission of both You do not know me, you cannot hold me MVP, dribble the left and right and pull it back, Kobe Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets Pull it back, Kobe Kobe, 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 Kobe Pull it back, Kobe. Swish. I don't even gotta look, I take the shot in here. Swish. I don't even touch the rim when I pull up, it's just swish. Backboard wet, only thing I know is swish. Pull it back, Kobe. Pull it back, Kobe. Hold up.